Um, if you have your Bible, well, please turn with me to Isaiah 11. You can also read our passage, Isaiah 11, 1 through, 1 through 10. It's there, printed there for your convenience in our bulletin. Um, we are, we have uh, been doing a, doing a series on First Peter, but we paused to, uh, during this Advent season, and we, we've, instead of being in the birth narrative, in the Gospels, we've been looking at, um, looking at these prophecies that point to uh, the coming of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've started with Genesis 3, there in the garden, as they uh, as sin entered the world, God cursed uh, the serpent and cursed the, uh, Adam and Eve, but in that curse there was hope. There was a promise that uh, the offspring of the woman, he would be, uh, hit the, the, the offspring of the, of the serpent of Satan would strike his heel, but he would strike and crush the head of the serpent. And right there is, though with, without any context of the rest of the scripture, you, you're not really sure what that means, but we see that that is the hope, is that there would be a, a person, a, a child, a, a someone born of of, of, of a woman that would bring about victory over Satan and over uh, the fall itself. And, and there it is. And we looked um, last week, not last week, the week before last, uh, at um, Isaiah uh, 7 and 9. And, and we're again, the, the sign of this coming would be a, a, a baby born of a virgin. And that it wouldn't just be any, any, well, that's not any baby, is it? <laughs> but, but then he wouldn't, he would grow up to be someone quite different. That he'd be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And now we, this, this whole section of Isaiah, really, Isaiah 7 through 11, is about, it's, it's this tension of a broken nation, uh, an unfaithful king, um, the Assyrian army, uh, bearing down, and yet God speaking hope to this nation, hope to this people in a circumstance that looks anything but hopeful. And so this is another prophecy in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that trouble that's given um, to God's people through Isaiah. So let's read that together. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10, before I read, let's, let's pray again. Lord God... Um, we ask that you, your spirit, that you would illuminate, that you would um, shine your light on this, this your word, that, so that we may understand it, we may read it, understand it, um, know it, apply it. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would help me in the reading and preaching of your word this morning, that it would, uh, it would, be, um, it would be clear, that it would be helpful, that it would be glorifying to you. Um, be with us in this time. Help us um, to, to understand and to rejoice in this righteous ruler that, is, that has come, you Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. 
but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And the righteous shall be the righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them the cow and the bear shall shall graze their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, if you've known me for a, a while, some of you, some of you have, um, some of you don't, but I am a fan of U2, the band. Anybody else? Anybody, I don't know. Um, one of their recent albums, uh, they've, they've put out like probably... 15, I don't know at this point. But there's a song that it's, um, it's, a, it's a prayer. Um, it's, a, it's a very honest prayer. And here's, here's the first verse and the last verse. I want to read this. And I, I think as we read Isaiah 11, these are some of the honest thoughts we have. That we maybe you have had or that you're having right now. This is how it goes. It goes and the song is called Peace on Earth. Heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around. Sick of sorrow, sick of pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. At the end of the song he says, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. To tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground, peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, peace on earth. Hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth? This peace on earth. Um, when will, and that's what he's asking in, in this, someone who's a professing Christian, Bono, when will this hope be fulfilled? How will God do it? What is taking you so long? Have y'all ever asked that? Have you ever wondered that? The answer and I want to show you and try to convince you of it, reconvince you, convince you again. Some of you are already convinced, but 
it's good to hear it again. The way he's going to do it is through a righteous king. The way he's going to bring about peace. The way he's going to bring about the longings of your heart and mine is this promised Messiah. Uh, so what I want us to do, I want to have four brief, four points that are brief. I want you to think and look and see in this text the origin of the righteous king, the character of the righteous king, the rule of the righteous king, and then let's look at the result of his righteous rule. The origin of the righteous king, the character of the righteous king, the rule of the righteous king, and the result of his righteous rule. First, the origin. Um, What do we do with that? There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Um, What does that mean? If you don't uh, know the familiar with the Old Testament story, if you're not familiar with the, the promises, one that we skipped, one of those major promises, uh, covenants that God made is to, is to David in, in 1 Samuel 7. And, and, uh, and he says that there shall be, uh, that he tells David, uh, 2 Samuel 7, sorry. He tells David that there will be a king of his line on the throne. And, and okay, well what does that have to do with Jesse? David's father is Jesse. So David is the son of this Jesse, this who's of the tribe of Judah, and, and he's the youngest son, not the one that you would think would be the king, but again, an unlikely king. And he's saying that now, what I want you to realize, here's the hope, here's, the, here's what I want you to, to look forward to, Israel, Judah, is that a king shall come forth from the stump of Jesse. Now, what's amazing is that if you, if you read uh, before, if you read, go back to Isaiah 10, which I'm not going to do, read the whole chapter, but if you look at it, it's describing the enemy, the great enemy of Israel, the enemy that's bearing down, and it's called Assyria. And he describes them as like the cedars of Lebanon. And, you know, who, who's, who's been to uh, the northwest and seen the big trees, the redwoods, the cedars, who's seen these mighty things? Anybody been to the Middle East and seen the cedars that are there, these, these huge trees, these mighty trees that are healthy and large and this big and tall? And he's saying, that's what Assyria, this mighty nation, is like. And the verse before it, it says that God, Yahweh, is going to cut them down. He's going to cut down their enemy. He's going to deal with it. And he does. This is not, Judah's not wiped out by Assyria. I'm not going to go into that. But he describes their enemy as mighty cedars. And then he says, but from the stump. From the stump of Jesse. And what he's describing is, look at your king now. Look at Ahaz. He's, I've told you a little bit a couple weeks ago. He's a faithless man. God, you know, Isaiah says, do you want a sign? He goes, I don't need a sign. Uh, and again, he's trying to be righteous. And, but anyway, he says, no, God wants to give you a sign. Uh, and it's, it's this child born of a virgin. And, and so you have a king that's, that's not faithful, that's built idols to other gods, that's, that's trying to make an alliance with a, a foreign power. He's not looking to the Lord for help. And he's describing this line of David as a stump. <laughs> And rightly so. But he's saying the origin of this king is going to come from what seems, something that seems to be dead. It's going to look dead. 
Um, and, 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 and there'll be, it's from this, this stump, this, what used to be a tree where there was no life. He's saying, from that, a shoot will come out. And, uh, you know, recently my, I've talked to my dad. He's been working with crepe myrtles. And we've got crepe myrtles out here. And, you know, you can, you can cut a crepe myrtle down. Y'all notice that? This is all of you who are into horticulture. I'm going to give you that illustration. Everybody's going, I don't know what a crepe myrtle is. Anyway, a crepe myrtle, those trees out there, if you try to cut those down, those things pop back up. And it's like the next day. It's amazing. And, you know, so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about crepe myrtles. I'm thinking about, you can't, it can't be killed. And, and that's how I want you to think about uh, God's covenant promise. It's like a crepe myrtle. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. And, you know, if you don't, you know, in that case, you don't want the crepe myrtle, but this is something you want, right? But uh, that, that, man, this is, it looks bad now, but eventually, Isaiah says, the nation's going to fall. There'll be not only no, no, no king of the line of David, but no nation. But he says that, but there will be a descendant that from something that looks dead and, 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 and over with, my promise will come to fruition. There will be a king on the throne of the line of Jesse, of the line of David. And, and again, it's, you've got, think about the contrast, these mighty cedars of Assyria, these, these might, this mighty nation bearing down, and that looks like what power is. That looks like what the future is. That looks like hope, because no, your hope is in this stump of the line of Jesse. Ahaz is trying to make a treaty with Assyria. His hope is in Assyria. And God says, I'm going to cut them down. But life's going to come forth from the line of David. Just like I promised. That's the origin. The origin story of, it, according to this passage, is from, from, from death there will be life. From the most unlikely source, the king will come. And again, this is fitting, isn't it? Because what when we when we read the birth narrative of Christ, it's it's from this little town of Bethlehem, this place that is of little, very little significance. That even King Herod, you know, and the generations that followed, forgotten that this was even a prophecy. Bethlehem, where where is this supposed to be? That's ridiculous. And that's but that's what God's doing. That's what God's going to do when it, the most unlooked for when the, when the tree looks dead. I will send my Savior. I will send the King. And this, this comes true. We see it in, the, in, in, uh, in Matthew and in, in Luke in the narrative. that The most unlikely source. When there's an, another power ruling. When, when Israel is not its own nation. When Judah and Israel have been conquered. When they're under Roman rule. Then from the stump of Jesse. The shoot will come forth. And it shall be a fruitful shoot. It was not just short-lived, but it shall bear fruit. That's the origin of this righteous king. Second, the character of the righteous king. What's he like? What's he going to be like? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And again, we we think about this. um, We think about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Again, that's something we see in the Scriptures. Um, it's, It's... we see it in, in, even in Genesis. It says, God says, let us make 
make man and female, let us create. There's, it's, Elohim is plural, but we see it more clearly in the, in the New Testament that this God is a, he's Father, He's Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, how, why does the Son of God need the Holy Spirit? That might be a question you're asking. But we see that what confirmed the, 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 the ministry of Jesus and His identity was that He was anointed by the Spirit, right? In His baptism. He goes down and John baptizes him. He's, there's no need of repentance. There's no need of forgiveness of sin. He is sinless. But he goes do, and does it out of obedience to his Father. And then the Spirit comes upon him. And so everything that God does, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is all, is all working together to one goal. It's not that I got this, you got that. But they're all uh, 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 one God, three persons working together. But the Spirit is bringing the God's Word to bear in, in, to Jesus in His humanity. And He doesn't do anything that's outside of the, the, the will of the Father. It doesn't do anything apart from the power of the Spirit. And he says, this, this king will come and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And he will have, because of that Spirit, he'll have true wisdom and understanding, true counsel and power. And I love that. I love that, that you know, wisdom and understanding, those go together for us, right? Not only the truth of what, what is, how the world really is, and what's true about the world, true about God, but how to apply that and live it, and, and really experience that, and demonstrate that in his life. But then it says counsel and might, or counsel and power. We don't think about good counsel and power going together. But I want you to think about it going together. That this, Jesus, is everything, every counsel he gives, everything he says is, is true and good for you. That, that the counsel of Christ, the counsel of God is always good and there's power in it. That there's power in His words. Not just to, hey, this might work out. Hey, I, you know, maybe you should listen to this, but like, no, listen to me. Follow me. I love you. There's, it's a, there's an effectual uh, power in God's word. When he, when he speaks, it makes it so. And so there's a spirit of wisdom, counsel, and, and power going together. And then the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then it says his delight is to fear the Lord. Who likes being afraid? Some of y'all watch scary movies because you like being afraid. I don't understand that. Okay? Some of you like to be scared. I don't like being scared. I don't like to be afraid. It's a negative emotion for me. Anyway, but what is it, again, what, what does he mean by that? What, how do we understand, it? you know, to do, delight in the fear of the Lord? Again, this is not scary. He's going to, God's going to get you. Um, someone gave us this, this magnet, refrigerator magnet, this Jesus peering out going, I saw that. And uh, it makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, what are you doing? Anyway... And it's a good place to have it in the kitchen. There's a lot of stuff that goes down in the kitchen. I don't know. It's just it's good. Uh, but is it like, oh, Jesus is going to get us? No, that's not what it means. And that's a, it's a joke. It is, it's funny, but that the magnet. But the fear of the Lord is knowing, like, being in awe and reverence of Him. And so, again, we're going to have a king. He's going to have the spirit of the Lord, but his, He's not going to be haughty. He's not going to be prideful. It's not going to be about... 
He's, he's, he's going to delight his delight. What makes him happy. What, think about what you delight in right now. Think about if you could be anywhere. I mean, right now is probably the pinnacle. Right here, me preaching. But uh, second to that, what do you, do you delight to be doing? What, what would you say? Oh, this is the a thing I enjoy the most. Think about that thing right now. The king, he says, is going to delight in the fear, the reverence, the awe of God. And, 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 and what comes next, that you have to realize that's key. That's essential. But the, when Jesus comes, he says, my delight is to the will of my Father. You know, to, to do the will of my Father is, is, is my food, he says. It's what it's my sustenance. It's what I live for. And so Jesus, you know, as he comes, he, he says these words. And this is his heart. He delights in his Father. He delights in God. He he is one. He is empowered with the Spirit, has the wisdom of God. And and we know in the New Testament, because of his coming, that he is God. He is God in the flesh. Not just a king of immense wisdom. He's not. He's more than just a Solomon. He's more than just a Moses. He's greater than any of those other leaders. It's God Himself. So the origin of the righteous king, the character of the righteous king, He's full of the Spirit. He's righteous and faithful in all He does, it says. Look at that in verse... Um, with righteous, he says, uh, verse five: Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Again, what what kind of what holds the whole ensemble together is faithfulness and righteousness. It's 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 a it's what adorns him. It's what you see. It's what you get. It's who he is. It's it's the it's that's his character. Righteousness and faithfulness, full of the Spirit. That's the kind of king they want. That's the opposite of what they have. As they read this, they're like, okay, I'll, yeah. They didn't vote then. It's like, yeah, I'll vote for that. I'll vote for him. I want that. And we're right now going, I'd love to have a president that that was the description, right? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm full of the Spirit. And righteousness and faithfulness is what I'm about. You got my vote. Okay, that's really that's all I need. Um, all the debating and stuff, name calling, I can do without that. <clears throat> Character, righteousness. He's righteous and faithful. Full of the Spirit. Thirdly, what's the rule going to be then? What's it going to look like? What is it going to like to live under this rule? Look what it says. He shall not judge by what his eyes see. This is the second part of, of verse 3. Or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And look, this is what I think when, when Bono wrote that song, going back to that, that U2 song, Peace on Earth, Jesus, when are you going to do it? What he's talking about, his unrest, his frustration, is 
the, the injustice we see, the, the poor, the people without means, without wealth, the people that aren't powerful and have influence, they always get the short end of the stick. I mean, you know, again, going back to just politics in general, like, I, I think both sides of the aisle really do feel the immense brokenness of the world. Can we just admit that? Because <laughs> when, we, when we look and we, we're influenced enough by our, our nation, you know, by Western civilization, by Christianity, like, we have an ideal, and the ideal is peace, equity, Justice, and we want that so desperately, and a lot, sometimes, it's, but a lot of times, it's not informed by what you know by the scriptures. But we all were made to want that. We're made. We long for that. And no matter you know, and again, about every eight years, we change parties, and it's still not there. <laughs> Maybe it's a little better to some than others. But while we keep changing, why the person keeps getting voted out and another one voted in, is that, hey, we're still not there yet. There's, there's, there's injustice. There's, there's unfairness. And, 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 and Isaiah longs for it. The people of, of Judah long for it. The world longs for it. But they don't know where to get it. But it has to come through a righteous king. It has to come from someone who fears, has a fear of reverence and awe of Yahweh, of the Lord. And through that, through that, the work of the Spirit, through the, 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 the worship and the, and, the, and the delight in the Lord, that kind of man, that kind of king can bring righteousness, can bring justice for the poor. Equity, fairness to the meek. Jesus, you know, when he when he preaches, when he comes, he says, "What am I here to do?" Because blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. He's referencing this. He goes, "You're going to inherit the earth. This is what I came to do. This is why he shows up and and heals and and hangs out with the poor and the outsider." He's identifying with those people. He's identifying with the broken people. He's identifying with you and me and our sinfulness, but also those that are poor and also those that are sick and also those that are lepers, that are, that are outcasts, that are uh, considered uh, unworthy of society of the day. He, he goes to them and He loves them and He says, and He's saying in His earthly ministry when He's here before He dies on the cross that this is what I'm about. This is who I'm here for. To do right by the poor. To be, bring fairness to the meek. How's He going to do this? He's going to do this by ruling and reigning by coming again and bringing um, His righteous rule to bear. Not just partially, but fully and completely. And it says this, that He um, shall do it not only through bringing justice, but also defeating the enemies of His people. 
He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. <clears throat> that this, 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 this righteous king who has power in his word, power in his counsel also has the ability to be the final judge. The judge of sin. The judge of those who are enemies of his people. You know, there's this idea that we can have peace while enemies surround us. Again, think about this. Think about the context of this. Judah is surrounded by enemies on every side. Their own cousins, Israel wants to destroy them. They've, they've joined a coalition to destroy Judah. Now the king of Judah is looking to the, the, the next biggest power to help him destroy them and save his. It, 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 there, it, there's enemies on every side. And there's, there can't be peace unless the enemies are dealt with. There can't be peace unless... Again, this isn't hateful. This is just this is the truth. And our chief enemies aren't... People outside here, the enemy is the devil, the demonic powers that exist. Our enemy is death. The enemy, there's the enemy of our own sinful hearts, and, and those enemies are real. And the only way to have this peace and, and that's that's enduring is to do away with all the enemies. And not only is he going to die for our sins, He's going to come again and do away and put all the enemies, even death, to death. That's our hope. That's the rule, the righteous rule of this King is that He will establish fairness, establish justice, establish peace by defeating all His in our enemies. And then we have this wonderful description which is fanciful, isn't it? Like, it's, it's like, I think C.S. Lewis has to, I don't know, I haven't read this, but this has to be one of his favorite ones because it's, it's animals doing life in a weird, you know, you know if you read Narnia, and the animals aren't talking, but we, had, we, read, that, we read that quote from C.S. Lewis about how God's going to, comes down to fundamentally change and lift, us, lift up this broken world. And, and look, look what it says. It's, 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 it's wild. What is the result? This is point four. The result of his righteous rule. Here it is. It's, the result is this. It's unimaginable, fundamental, universal peace like we've never known. Like unimaginable, fanciful, like universal, fundamental peace. Like we've never known. Listen to this. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. You thought you had a bad roommate situation in college, right? Okay. I was a campus minister for nine years. A lot of what I did was roommate counseling, all right? You know, Mr. Wolf or Mr. Lamb, I don't think you should dwell with the wolf. I don't know. I just think that's not going to work out well for you. Um, <clears throat> let, me, let me list the ways. Uh, but... That's what I thought about. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Kids, kids in the room, think about this. Does, does this, this sounds crazy, doesn't it? A wolf and a lamb? Getting along? 
And it's not a Looney Tunes? They don't even get along with Looney Tunes, do they? Um, the leopard lying down peacefully with the goat. The calf and the lion. I mean, if you watch Discovery Channel, you get it. This is weird. This is not... This is not how it works. Verse 7. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down. They're young. So a little baby bear and a little cow. Oh, cute, right? Um, that's, still, that's crazy. Okay, now this is the worst daycare ever. Okay, look. Okay, This is... You know, this is DHR right here. Come, come on. Uh, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. No. That, when I read that, I still, as a parent, I go, ugh. Like, I really, it gets me. Like, I really, if I think about it too long, uh, the weaned child will put his hand in the adder, the poisonous snake's den, right? If you saw your kid, four or five, in the yard with this arm just all the way to the ground in a hole, what would you do? Just think about that. I'm just visual, you know. How would you react? I would lose my mind. Ask my wife. Um, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. I just, I want to slow down on that and just think about that. What, does this mean, like, what is, is this, is this literal? I don't know. Does this mean that in the new heavens and the new earth that that the animals, there won't be the, you know, um, circle of life, you know. There won't be, uh, you know, a food chain. <laughs> will, will they actually just graze and eat? Like, is that literal? I, it could be. It is, what, what this definitely means is, at least it's figurative in the sense of everything that's at odds in this world that you can think of. Right? The, the political systems, um, Palestinians and Israel, like, think, think about all the things that are just conflict and at odds, and it has always been that way, right? That when he is in charge, when he comes and establishes Israel, that will be undone. That all the strife, all, the, all, the, all that, all the, the violence and the, and the turmoil in, in humanity with, with us in this world, it will be done away with. And I, I tend to think this is literal. I, I tend to think, because it says, it, I'm going I'm to make all things new. I'm not going to make all new things, he says. I'm going to make all things new. There's going to be, you know, dogs and wolves and lambs and, you know, in heaven. But I, I think it's going to, I think all of creation is going to experience and demonstrate the peace and joy of God in that way. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be crazy and wonderful and fanciful. And we're just going to be just completely, all the time. Like, when will we stop doing this? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe for eternity we'll just be going, Hey, how you doing? I don't know. Look at this. Look. But that's the picture. But again, he's drawing attention to all, at the same time, all that's broken and hard right now. All the strife and all the violence and all the death right now. He's, he's, he's drawing our attention to that, I think, figuratively. He goes, he is going to do away with it. And look what it says the end of verse 6. A little child shall lead them. A little child shall lead them. Going back to 
uh, you know, Isaiah 9 about the, this, the virgin birth and this child. The hope, is, the hope is from this dead stump, a child will come and make all this come about. And He will, and He will come, and He will lead. And there will be unimaginable, fundamental, universal peace like we've never known. That's the result of His righteous rule. That's the, that's the thing we long for. That's what's conveyed in that song that, oh, we so want peace, we so want joy, we want that something that's enduring, that will last forever. And this, this promised one, this branch from the, the shoot from the stump of Jesse will make it so. And the, look at the last verse. Not only will there be peace, but also this, the day that this, uh, in the day of this root of Jesse, it says, Who shall stand as a signal for the peoples? Of him the nations shall inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Not only is he just going to do this, but he's going to do this, and he's going to draw the, his people to himself. And this is already being fulfilled. This is the church. This is you and me. This is us sitting here now. We're fulfilling. We're in the fulfillment of that. It's fulfilling. The fulfillment of this is happening right now. That you and I, from different parts of the world, descended from different peoples, we're all here worshiping the root of Jesse, Jesus Christ. He's he's in process of doing this. He's drawing his people to himself. He's establishing his church. There's this, there's this wonderful description of, of God's kingdom. It's called the now and not yet. Do we have this universal peace? Not yet. Is, is, is Christ where we can see Him? Is he, can we behold Him? Not yet. But He has come. He now sits on the throne. This is His kingdom. He is our King. He has made peace between us and His Father. He has, he has created peace by dying for our sins, by taking away the thing that brought strife and separated us from God. He's established it. He's really dealt with that enemy of our sin. He really has defeated it. He's really created peace with you and your God if you trust in Him. That's what He's done now. And in His coming, He has, he has been a signal to the peoples. The news of His coming has gone forth and there are believers on every corner of the world, everywhere, all the continents who trust in Him, who look to Him. He is in process and He will see it done to completion. And you do have a resting place in, in Christ right now. There is a peace that surpasses understanding even in the turmoil and the hardship of life right now. If we, if we look to Him and go, You are the answer. You are my peace. You are the righteous King that my heart longs for. You have me. You will secure me. And right now I have peace, but You will bring me home to Your glorious eternal rest when You come again. This is our sure hope. This is the result of Christ's reign. A righteous king. That's what we need. That's 
the only way this peace can come. God promises it, and Jesus keeps His promise. He comes to rule and reign, to bring peace to your heart, peace to this world. He will surely do it. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this, Your Word, and we pray that we would... In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the conflict, of the, the strife, that we would look to you and know we have a sure hope in you, that you are the promised king, full of wisdom, full of the spirit. You care for the poor, you care for the oppressed, and you will make all things new and establish peace and righteousness forever. Lord, for, for us who we find ourselves looking to other things, other hopes, other means to bring about this peace that we desperately want in our life, forgive us. Help us to see that. And help us just, our, our hearts to be moved, our imaginations to be moved by this your word and see and, and, and pray and that and for you for for you to bring peace in our hearts, peace from you dealing with our sin. Lord, thank you for your coming. Thank you for keeping your promise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.